Hello. Yay. Hello. I was like, oh, technology, you said everything. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Well, I'm glad we were able to work that out. Yes. How are so you? For, of course. So for our viewers, we are Mental Health First Aid, and we are managed by Mental Health Global Network. And our goal is to help you guys prioritize your mental health and equivalent level to physical health. And today we are here with the author of Constipation Depression, a tale of moving through depression with a little bit of humor. And we have Lindsay Harl with us today. Thank you so much for being here, Lindsay. Yeah, thank you for having me so much. I'm so, so thrilled to be here. So, yes, Of course, <laughs> of course. So Lindsay, can you tell our audience a little bit about your book? and the inspiration behind it. What made you decide to write it? Yeah, um, so my book here <laughs> is called Depression Constipation, How Pooping Saved My Sanity and Other Stories. And the book itself uh, came about because, um, so I myself uh, live with depression and anxiety. And way back in 2011, I was first diagnosed. However, over the years, it became, I didn't know how to talk about it. Um, I didn't know how to communicate with people as to what being depressed was in the moment. And over time, though, I, I was very fortunate to have this group of friends who appreciated my humor. And we were very blunt about everything about our bodies, what was going on. Uh, my friend herself was also going through her own depression struggle. So we were very much each other's support. And one day, I, um, I was just having a very big struggle to poop yeah. in, in full transparency. And you know when you're just like, oh my gosh, this is never going to end. And then all of a sudden it does, and you're just like, yeah. <laughs> it's going to be okay. I've made it through this gosh darn struggle. And in that moment, I, okay, after I washed my hands, and then I went and I typed to my friend right away, and I was just like, oh my goodness, that feeling you get after you have been constipated and you've finally been able to poop, that relief, if we can capture that in a bottle, I think we could cure depression. And so I just did it very jokingly, and she started to laugh at that. But the more I started to think about that metaphor of what does it actually mean to be constipated, and yeah. what does it mean to be depressed, and what are those parallels it was fascinating to understand they're actually very similar. And so in the sense of, for instance, when depression happens, a lot of the time you get very cotton headed and clogged and the thoughts cannot move through your head. Well, when you're depressed, uh, pardon me, when you're constipated, no movement is really happening. There's a lot of uh, clogging, if you will, thoughts aren't moving forward or down, if you will. And so I just started to find these parallels in being able to explain what I was going through with a more tangible physical aspect, um, yeah. particularly for my partner and now husband at the time, of, because he didn't understand depression. He thought it was, well, you're just sitting there depressed. It's not the case. Uh, particularly for me, it was so, my, my depression can come on so physically with uh, a stutter, tinnitus, cognitive dissonance all of that um and so the book itself was really just a hey here's some parallels here's a little bit of humor that we can bring to this on a very high level so that we can start having these conversations without that judgment yeah I mean, 
if you're going to talk depression, it's, it's a, it is. It's easier to talk constipation and what's wrong with your poop than it is to talk about what's wrong with your mind or yeah. not moving, flowing with your mind. So that was really the, the start of the book was let's just share and get this parallel out there because it could help. Yeah. And we're so much more comfortable talking about things going on with our bodies and with our brains, right? I mean, even though we're one system, Mm -hmm. we just have a harder time, you know, saying I have depression or I have anxiety than saying, oh, I broke my wrist or Mm -hmm. I have to get ACL surgery. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, if you spend your entire life, you know, or not your entire life, but, you know, an example we always say is that it takes 11 years between the time period that someone starts experiencing symptoms of mental illness and the time that they get help. Mm-hmm. If you walk around on a broken foot for 11 years, you're going to be an unbearable crippling pain mm-hmm. and your loved ones would never let you get that far. So it's so important that we have these conversations about depression and anxiety and other mental illnesses in a way that's familiar to us. Right. And a little yeah. bit more comfortable to talk about. Oh and- yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I found, um, I have my dog. He's just like, oh, it's time to come. <laughs> like, no, no, it's not. Um, it, it, it's, it's that, and in full transparency, like before I was diagnosed in 2011, I had been a purger for a decade since university, right? I had been starving myself um, for a long time. And then when I just couldn't do that anymore, I needed to eat, but I never looked at food as fuel. I looked at it as this, I can control and throw it up. Right. And so for a whole decade of my life, the majority of like my late teens and early, uh, more than early twenties were about this control of food. And I didn't talk about it and I didn't talk about it. And people knew, you know, and I had some friends who would know why I would patter off to the bathroom after I ate or whatever, but it wasn't really talked about. And I certainly wasn't going to go and get help. Um, because I didn't see it as a problem for 10 years. Right. It's a it was, long time to be mm-hmm. struggling with something that's mm-hmm. not only affecting your mental health, but also your physical health and your mm-hmm. body. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and it's, it's the, the physical part is so fascinating too, because for myself in particular is I have degenerative disc disease in my lower back. Okay. And when my depression acts up, I can barely stand some days. And so it's a huge indicator when we actually listen to our bodies of what is going on with our bodies, is our mind needing to get straight, right? Like, what are we not doing that is now manifesting itself in my body? Um, And so there's this huge mind-body connection. And so that's, and, and, and interestingly enough, a number of individuals with depression get constipated. Like, I, I mean, I did the book just being fun puns. Yeah. Like, oh, I'm so clever. Oh, I'm <laughs> jokes. It's hilarious. And it was good. But at the same time, when I actually went a little deeper, I was like, holy smokes. Well, I mean, this explains so much, right? And, and yeah. 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 And, you know, we say our mission is to help others prioritize mental health at an equivalent level to physical health. But What about learning about that connection between the two and how important that is? Mm -hmm. I was talking to a brilliant physical therapist the other day who was explaining to me that a lot of the time people with scoliosis Mm -hmm. um, actually get it as a result of having social anxiety or having depression and as a result constantly being hunched over and how that affects their posture. Mm 
um, talking about having issues with your legs and your knees and that being a result of laying down too much because you spend so much time in bed and, you know, that, um, you know, disables your mobility. And so there's so many connections between the way that we think and how our bodies react. Mm -hmm. And also, you know, sometimes depression and anxiety, like you said, uh, you know, you feel it more in physical symptoms. I know that with my anxiety, it's usually a pit in my stomach mm -hmm. and it's chest pain. I get severe chest pain when I'm super anxious. That makes me more anxious because then I'm like, what's wrong with me? Am I having a heart attack? Am I having heart issues? I, you know, when I was a freshman in college, I went and got all these EKGs. I got um, x-rays mm. of my lungs and it really was just my anxiety that needed to be fixed. But it took me seeing doctor after doctor after doctor after doctor until someone said, well, maybe this is a mental health thing. And that's a problem within itself. Mm -hmm. It is it, it's so true. And Exactly. I mean, I, I very similar. I also had to go and get a lot of EKGs and all of that because my heart was just anxious. And I thought it was, oh, no, 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 something's clearly wrong with my body. My body's not right. It had nothing to do with that. It had to do with marrying of this and being like, this is okay. And one of the biggest things is, um, you know, I call it depression constipation, but the reality is that it's emotional constipation often. And it's, we just don't know how to sort through what these emotions are and actually understanding that emotions are energy that need to be felt. Yeah. Um, and so what we often do, and I often do, is we get these negative emotions and we don't feel them. We don't love them. We're just like, get out of me. Repress so them. I know I oppress my emotions a lot. Yeah, but we shut it down and it just sits and we think we've got rid of it but we don't and it will explode up and on to the wrong person when these feelings decide okay well i needed to move at some point and you just kept me shoved down right and, yeah. and that's the thing is we don't learn that we actually need to embrace and love all the emotions that we have and then have them move through us so that we can release them um and that an emotion in and of itself isn't bad so it all comes down to like love and fear that we're coming from. So we, at the end of the day, we still need to love these fear feelings so that we can release them and let them go. And because if we just shove them further down, they're just going to get harder and harder. And it's so, and the fact that you named it as a pit too, even, right? Like it is, it's very much yeah. a pit. And I call it for myself, like it's this dark black ball that sits right in my heart. And I call it the, the, like, the black evil goblin ball of stress. <laughs> and if yeah. I don't deal with it, I'll vomit. Yeah, wow. Right? And, and so it's, this, it's really this emotional constipation that we need to start being so kind to ourselves and not just saying, well, I'm not supposed to feel that feeling. I'm not supposed to have that emotion. Um, I'm just not, I'm supposed to have it all together. I, you know, what do I have to be upset about in this life? So I just need to focus on these emotions and get rid of those ones because those aren't even real to me. Right. Um, I think validating our own emotions yeah. can be one of the most powerful tools that we learn when it comes to overcoming mental illness. Mm -hmm. And I described it in an article one time when I was talking about crying 
and how important it is to cry and it releases these toxins in our body but you know i had this period of time where i was walking around and i felt like i had this glass bubble in my chest mm -hmm. and if i breathed too hard or if i cried or if i screamed into my pillow it was going to burst and it was going to release all these emotions and feelings and thoughts that i had repressed and that was scary for me and i remember you know telling myself at times where i was about to cry like you don't have time to cry right now you have work to do you have people to see you have things to get done like you don't have time to cry and i think it was like maybe three weeks into quarantine I was reading a book um, and it wasn't even an emotional book. It was, you know, the, the art of stress-free productivity and <laughs> I'm listening to me like classical music in the background and I just start hysterically crying and it felt so good. I felt so relieved that I had finally validated myself enough to give myself this time. And I was so productive for, yeah. for the rest of the day because I had stopped to give myself that time to feel. Yeah. And, you know, and, and to the point is, yeah, maybe sometimes in that moment you can't deal with that full release, but it's knowing that you, but, but being like, okay, well, I clearly need to do something. This is what I need to focus on right now, but I need to come back to this. Yeah. Right. right? And, and often I find, and especially when you have a partner or something and one of your partners, all my partners, uh, and one of your partners um, is in his, is in their own stress mode and you know that you now are also in your stress mode but at this point it's how can you move forward because you know what actions need to be taken but then you also need to come back and deal with that stress that you've had so it's really starting to understand well i know i need to release this i can't do it right now but then even take but if you get higher level and this is a crap ton of work can i say that i'm so sorry yes of course oh, gosh <laughs> of course um but it goes to a higher level of you know you then learn to release them in the moment and that's such practice right and it's yeah and you're just not even taught and you know and i think back to my childhood too of i grew up playing the piano i never practiced my scales the reason I didn't is because when I played the piano, I was able to feel. And so when I would just go and play the piano and play a song or whatnot, I was actually releasing whatever emotion was in me as a child. However, I don't have my skills. So I don't actually have the skills to just go and play anything now. I can go and play the emotions that I can release through song, but that was the way that I learned how to express but I didn't realize that, that that was how I expressed um, as a kid, right? And because yeah. we weren't taught and it's taught you go to school. You're, for me, I was very reserved. Shy was a big word. Um, just quiet, heads down, awkward, and, but a wallflower. So nobody could pay attention to me. But when I went home, then I could feel everything. But practicing yeah. skills wasn't that. So it's really interesting the more that we start to dive in and understand well, what is mental health. And yeah, there are big chemical factors that influence because for myself, there's a huge chemical component to my depression and my anxiety. Um, but it, it becomes, it comes down to, well, what are we feeling? Are we able to talk about it? Are we able to have it without judgment? Um, and I think that's one of the biggest things is, when we do start talking, 
be prepared to lose people in your life. But be prepared to have people come into your life who you never even knew would just listen. Yeah. And, and, and it's, it's this, yeah. And the relief, I think. I, mm -hmm. I, the first time I ever talked about my crippling anxiety that I was experiencing, I felt this huge release and this huge burden lifted off my shoulders because it was something that one, I didn't understand yep. and two, I hid for my entire life. So I spent the large duration of my, of my life and my childhood facing these fears and these invasive thoughts with my OCD and things that were scary to me and I didn't understand. And I thought that if I discussed them, then I would come across as crazy or I would come across as, you know, incapable of doing well in school or, or being a good athlete or whatever it was at that time in my life that was deemed important. Mm -hmm. And when I first had this conversation with my school counselor and they showed me a video on anxiety and generalized anxiety disorder. And they were like, does this seem like maybe what you're facing? And I was like, yeah, I think it is. And I went back to my dorm and I talked about it to a few girls on my floor. And one of them was like, oh, I have really bad anxiety. Another person said they had bipolar. Another said that they had a brother who was suffering from depression. and all of a sudden I was like, oh, I'm not alone in yeah. this. Oh, yeah. And you definitely have the people who don't understand it because they're not educated in it and they might say the wrong thing. But once you validate it yourself and you understand yourself that it's not something to be ashamed of, mm -hmm. it's no longer as scary to have those conversations because you know that their reaction to it um, isn't representative of the truth. It's just mm -hmm. representative of a lack of education. It's, it's so, and, and it's not even that, it's it's scary because if someone else is now willing to face and voice their demons, that, that can be triggering for people who are not ready. Right. And, and, yeah. that's not, and there's no shame or judgment there. It's, it's hard. And, um, you know, and, and the, in full transparency, I would not be here today had my singing teacher in 2011 not said, do you really need a lesson today? Would you rather just talk? And I just talked and she sat there and she didn't judge. And at the very end of everything I said, she just said to me, all I hear is hate. Why do you hate yourself so much? And I had no answer. There was no yeah. answer. And it was still two months before I actually went and got help help. But it was that first question of why do you hate yourself? I'm like, I don't know. Mm hmm yeah i mean like i could give you all these excuses but i also know this individual and she'll just counter them every single time right so it was this beautiful moment when she and i left that lesson lighter because i felt heard and then when i was diagnosed and i actually started talking about it with a with a with a theater friend of mine with a new theater friend of mine um i did not know at the time that she was depressed or that she had not gotten help yet or anything within a week of us talking she went and gotten help and then she started her own journey of wow. healing right and she's still on that path as yeah. as we all are um but it was kind of that moment of i could help someone without knowing i could help someone just by being there to listen yeah and by, and by talking about my own, right? Because she yeah. was sitting there being like, Lindsay? But you're like this happy elf. 
<laughs> what the heck? Like, why I Lindsay? like, and yeah. and it's true. And one of the biggest things that I always hear is, but you have such a big smile. I your smile is so great. I would never have guessed that you had depression. You're right. I can smile like a mofo. <laughs> yeah, it's a great smile. I know that, right? <laughs> and that's a problem. Yeah. It hides. And so many times when we talk about suicide in our mental health intervention trainings, we hear from people, well, I lost one of my best friends to suicide, but he was the happiest, most outgoing, most loved student. You know, when Connor Mullen is a friend of ours that we actually were inspired to start this company by, he was a good friend of my co-founder Kelly's and mm -hmm. he was a straight A student. He was the captain of the football team. He was in a, you know, top fraternity at school and so popular and so loved and handsome. And he ended up taking his own life because he had been suffering for so long. And that's why it's important to talk about these things. And that's why it's important to share with others what you're going through and mm -hmm. to, to educate yourself on warning signs because they are there. Mm -hmm. um, but sometimes you just have to dig deeper, dig past the surface to find them. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, and, but, and this is, it's so hard because if someone finds the courage to reach out to you to say, Hey, I'm not okay. Just listen. You literally don't need to say anything back to them. Well, I mean, yeah. you should <laughs> like I'm here. Right. But, right. but that's the basics. Often, they just need, to, to be heard and it, it takes an awareness um on an we all have to have these awareness of the people in our lives and what's their behavior and when we see their behaviors being a little differently even pissing us off like you're being an outright ass and they're normally not that's an indication to ask hey what's going on let's let's chat not to say I'm just trying to live my life. Bye. Right. Yeah. And, and it's, it, it's such a hard balance and I feel for everybody in any position, but I would definitely say if somebody's coming to you and saying, I just need to talk, just listen, because they're not expecting you to give them all the answers to say, now go and save my life. Right. Right. They're just there because they need to talk and they've been holding on so long and your ear was there. Yeah, that's an honor. That's a beautiful thing. And at the very end of the day, you could just save somebody's life by listening. Yeah, it's the, the you know, the power that you have in being kind and in being a good listener is so far past what, you know, the mind can imagine. A good friend of mine who had attempted suicide three times mm -hmm. said that one time he was walking home from school in high school and he had a plan to go home and take his life. And someone on the way home said, hey man, really cool sneakers, I like those shoes. And he didn't take his life. And he literally says that one person seeing me and acknowledging me and noticing that I was there, like made me feel like it was worth it to stick around. Yeah. And so being a good listener, being kind, um, being genuine can go such a long way. Mm -hmm. And 
Lindsay, you've given us so much good advice. And so I might be asking you to reiterate a little bit here, but what is your recommendation for someone who's been struggling and maybe is afraid to talk about it or is afraid to take those first initial steps in getting treatment or in practicing self-care? Like what would you recommend they do or what was maybe your first push of initial motivation? I mean, it's, it's so hard because it's different for everybody. And I mean, we're, we're all different people with our own different motivators and such. The first thing is just really, life is about baby steps. And that was the biggest thing I had to learn. And I still am learning it is what very little baby step can you take to just go forward a little bit? You know, and so for myself, when I actually was on leave um, with, uh, with, for my medical, um, I, had, I ended up giving myself two goals every day. And one of them was just to shower, which I know can be so gosh darn exhausting. And yeah. sometimes I want to do it until six at night or so. But I was like, this is a goal I'm giving myself. The other was just five minutes out of my apartment that day. And I just walk around the block. Again, these are things that are so, they, they, for me, they were easy. They were, my, they were my goals for that day, but they can be very challenging. The biggest thing is just, you know, reach out and ask. And if someone's not going to listen, someone will. And I think that's the biggest thing is, you know what, I, in, in full reflection, I did try and talk a few times prior to my wonderful singing teacher sitting down and listening but it wasn't heard and i don't think i fully understood what it was that i was trying to say again part of that with that emotional constipation is i don't even know what the hell i need to talk about yeah. i don't even know what's going on depressed Psh, i know depression i ain't depressed right yeah um so it's really just having those baby steps having that compassion with yourself of you're human you're gonna mess up but you're also gonna wake up tomorrow too with a new day to try again yeah and it's just it is those very small little baby steps it's connecting to what are your actual values um and i think this has been a very big time for us to start understanding what are our values what are our individual core values that we can operate from? Uh, and COVID um, and the world on fire has done that. And so if you're struggling right now, a good place to start is just go inward and, and think, what value of mine is my core value and how do I activate that in my life? Yeah. So for me, my core value is creativity. So how am I activating that in my life? And when I'm not having creativity in my life every single day, that depression, that anxiety, woo, right? It, it is a core value that helps align my center so that I can make decisions accordingly. Yeah. It, yeah. So that's, that's one of the biggest things is baby steps, compassion for yourself, and just really gain clarity on what are your values as you, you, not society, you. I love that advice. Yeah. I love that advice. And what an interesting perspective to say, you know, find your, what, what is your core value? Like what is the main thing that is the most important to you and how do you exercise that and activate that? And 
I love that. And I saw someone in the comments said today, you know, keeping that one promise to yourself every day can feel like a magic and it really can. I mean, yeah. just making your bed every day or going for a, like you said, you know, sometimes I'm like, all my goal for the day is to just go for a one 15 minute walk mm -hmm. around the block around my neighborhood. And the difference that makes when you can go home and like, check it off your list. Like mm -hmm. I said, I was going to do this today and I did it. And that's a fantastic feeling. Mm -hmm. So thank you so much for that advice. And so, Lindsay, we had the joy of having you in one of our mental health intervention courses. Yay! And I would love to hear what your thoughts on it were and maybe what you felt like you got out of the course that could be helpful to someone else. Uh, so I am so gosh darn thrilled that I found um, your course. It was exactly what I was looking for as... You know, I've been looking to have more mental health first aid, more mental health intervention training, so I can have these conversations um, to help others yeah. as well. What I got, oh my golly, it was two hours of just whew, so much mind explosion. But I think the biggest takeaways that I have since used are you gave me a number of questions that I can actually use to start these conversations. Um, but also the ability to just listen and not solve because that's a lot. That's, that's one of the biggest things that we get in our heads is if someone's coming to you with a problem, then we need to solve that problem. Yeah. You can just listen, ask the questions and hold their hand along the way to get them the help. You don't need to be the help. You can help them support. Right. And so I got so much out of that training because it just, gave me tools, questions, and the ability to just start asking. And holy, the stats alone, I mean, golly gosh, you can find that online very easily, but to have them all just slammed right there, here's the, all the stats of what depression is doing. And depression and anxiety, it's like, it was just fascinating. And I got so, so, so much out of it. I would recommend it to literally every single company, I think, Every, every business should be, you know, and, and you and I chatted about this briefly, but it just makes so much sense because so many companies are focused on health and safety and they send at least one person, and at least it's here, this is how they do it here in, in Canada. They send one person from their office to go get first aid training for a day. They come back, they're now that first aid person for the, for the office. Why aren't you doing that for mental health? Yeah. If you have an employee having a panic attack, how can you help them? And so I just think that if more people can sign up for and take these mental health intervention courses that you are offering, then it's just going to make businesses better. And, and very frank, because I am an entrepreneur, I am a business owner, it's going to make your team more productive. It's going to make your culture more efficient, more together, more collaborative, and more human. And you're just going to have less turnover. You're going to have less sick days. Your people are going to want to be there. They're going to be way more committed. I mean, just like, just have, just having someone on your staff with this mental health intervention certification can just remove so much stress and lift an entire company simply because you are demonstrating you're fully committed to your people. Uh, and, and yeah, I mean, I was so, so close thrilled. I think what you're doing is wonderful. I'm, I, 
love that you're offering it every Friday now. And yeah, I, I just, I'm so excited to watch you guys grow and where you're going and all the tools you're providing and yay. Thank awesome. you. Oh, thank you so much. And I mean, it was such a joy having you and having your feedback. You bring so much to the table as well. And, you know, that's one of the best things that we've gotten out of these intervention trainings that we've been having every Friday. Usually mm -hmm. we just provide them to companies or to schools, but so many individuals were reaching out to us saying, how do I get the training? How do I get involved? And, mm -hmm. you know, we met you, we've met nonprofit leaders, we've met yeah. students at schools who want to bring this back and help other students. And that's, I think, the best part of it. The more that we can incorporate this into our society and bring these tools to others so that they know how to respond, you know, the, the closer we are to decreasing the stigma and really putting mental health on equivalent levels of physical health. So yeah. thank yeah. you for being part of that journey so much. It's been so amazing speaking with you today. Thank you for having me. I've just I've really enjoyed it. I love watching you guys. I am so excited to continue to support and see and watch your other Insta lives because holy gosh, there are so many amazing people that you're interviewing. Thank you me so too. much. Me yes, and wait, so before we end this today, where can people find your amazing book? It's so good. I read it. Kelly read it. It's fantastic. So where can people find it if they want to buy it themselves? Yeah. So Depression Constipation is on Amazon.com and Amazon.ca for us lovely Canadians up here. Um, so yeah, .com.ca on Amazon. Um, awesome. Yeah. Thank you so much. I highly recommend all of our viewers to go check out her book. It's an easy read. It's a comforting read. It makes you laugh and you'll really learn so much from it. So Thank you so much to everybody who tuned in today. We'll be posting this live on our Instagram page so that you guys can look back on it. And thank you so much again, Lindsay. We'll be in touch. Thank you, Julia. Take care. You Bye. too. Bye.